Welcome back to the One Two Kentucky Blue Podcast. I am your host, Coach John Spurlock. Thank you so much for tuning in today. On today's episode, I have Stephen Strobus, and on March first, twenty twenty three. Strobus was officially hired on our staff as a full-time assistant strength and conditioning coach. He is a great example of how we invest into and develop our young strength coaches so we can promote them within our staff. Strobus came to us in 2019 as a summer intern. He then earned one of our GA positions, and obviously now he's a full-time assistant. He has grown so much as a professional and as a coach while also bringing a ton of tangible skills to our staff. As always, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Starting this podcast off, it's March 1st. I love the month of March. Couple reasons. First off, I'm glad we didn't do this episode like 20 minutes ago, because I don't know if you could hear it where you are in the weight room, but the tornado siren started going off. Did you hear that? Yeah, I got a phone call. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, but the like the tornado siren went off at like ten o'clock, and then I got a phone call and I got a message saying, "Hey, it's just it's just a drill. You need to lead with that message, University of Kentucky." <laughs> I'm yeah. looking outside. I'm like, it's a beautiful day. Then all of a sudden, I hear. That is my impression of our tornado warning here in Lexington, Kentucky. But yeah. freaked out for a second. But the weather's beautiful outside. It's, it's almost spring, going to be 75 degrees. In March, I got St. Patrick's Day, which is a big part of the Spurlock family tradition and celebration. Um, then we got your birthday coming up. But even more importantly, yes. on March 1st, 2023... Today is your first official day of being a full-time assistant strength and conditioning coach here at Kentucky. How excited yes. are you? Just pumped, honestly. Um, it's it's something I've really like dreamed of for a long time. And I know it sounds kind of corny, but um, it's been something that like, you know, Amy and I have talked about for a long time. And even last night while we were sitting down eating dinner, it was she kind of was like, No, tomorrow's the first day of your career. And I was like, Well, I've been here. And she said, No, but this is your career now. Like, this is what you work towards. And so it's a really special day, honestly. I'm really excited about it. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. So we can talk through. I want, I want to start off by talking through like your path that you've gone through, not only at Kentucky, but even before you got here. And then obviously you have been here, but we'll finish the podcast up with, you know, what excites you most about your new role that you're getting yourself into. But like I said, let's start there. Just walk me through how you got into strength and conditioning, and then we'll touch on the different roles you've had on our staff over the past four years. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I got into strength and conditioning pretty early, actually. I mean, I think I was in high school and, you know, as, you know, concussions and all that kind of started coming around, I actually was kind of one of those athletes that got pushed towards maybe not competing in high school sports anymore, which was a huge bummer. But, you know, at the time I still wanted to be physically active. I still wanted to compete. I still wanted to work out. And so I just started going to every high school weights, PE, everything that I could get into. And that's where I kind of got at my first real grasp of the weight room. And through there, you know, my high school was lucky enough to do a lot of Olympic lifting. And so that's where I really got my first taste of cleans and snatches and jerks. And we just kind of did them every single day. And there wasn't any like programming or anything. It was just messing around and having a lot of fun. And I started realizing, did you compete I want to be a little in high bit school or was it just lifting weights? 
No, it was just lifting weights. You gotcha. know, there was a the little bit of the the inner weight room competition, and you know, I like to brag a little bit just because I could clean them more than maybe some of the football players. But oh, yeah, they could squat and bench way more than I could, so it didn't really add up. And I think it's something important to note that you're a freak athlete. You're a freak athlete that never really competed in, in athletics besides being a mascot at mm -hmm. uh, Washington State, where you can clean and jerk at the house, you can back squat you know, a, a semi truck. And then you also have an incredible vertical jump that you were at the NSCA conference. Right. And you won that. Yeah. Like they would yeah. just say, Hey, let's see who has the best vertical jump and no warm up. You just walked up there. What'd you get? 37 inches. 30. Yeah. 37. Wow. Yep. That's awesome. So, Keep going. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of how I got into strength and conditioning. And so I, I, I got the taste and I was like, you know, what? I want to be a PE teacher or I want to be a teacher that does, some sort of after school weights. And so I, in my initial thought, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Washington State University. I'd already kind of accepted and gotten into that program. And I'm going to go there, be an elementary school or a high school teacher and, and do that. And I think it was orientation where I accidentally, and truth be told, swear to God, accidentally wandered into the kinesiology uh, sports science orientation because they were both College of Education, of course. And as I'm sitting there listening to the talks and I thought that they were eventually going to get to the education part, they started talking about strength and conditioning and careers and performance. And I was just like, this is perfect. I don't even have to worry about being a teacher. And so that day I switched my major. I went into the sports science program. And then from there it was, how can I get experience? How can I get involved in coaching? What do I need to do? And so through some of the seniors I met in the program that day, they got me kind of involved in the strength conditioning program at, at Washington State. And that's where I met Coach Lang, who was my first mentor. He took me under his wing um, and I just volunteered. I spent all four years at Washington State volunteering, uh, you know, spending time in the weight room, observing, coaching, just getting a ton of experience at the college level. And, you know, from freshman year till I graduated, that was a ton of time. So I really think that's what really set me up into the world of strength conditioning. That's awesome. And then after your time at Washington State was up, you got your degree, you applied for our internship um, here at Kentucky, our summer internship. What year was that? Was that 2018? 19. 2019. 2019. 2019. So we accepted you into our program. Um, we were super excited to have you. And after that, you earned uh, one of our coaching assistant positions. So you take it from there and talk through your career thus far at Kentucky. Yeah. So, so, you know, the way we do things at Kentucky with, with bringing on, you know, four ish paid coaching assistants after the summer, um, I'd gotten that position. I, I wanted to be a GA here. I knew after even a week here at Kentucky, I wanted to stay here. I loved the staff. I love the way we do things. And I wasn't chosen for the GA position and that was okay. I was still going to get the most out of the year that I was given here. And so from then onward, I just, I just set in stone. I was like, I'm going to soak in as much as I absolutely can. And through, you know, doing graphic design and helping with the social media and then doing a ton of work with, with coach Wood over in Shively with track and field and just kind of getting experience and all that. I think it was maybe November where he took me out to lunch, which was an odd thing. We didn't go to lunch very often. And he kind of put in my ear about potentially staying on for another year to kind of move into the GA route, which of course I was like instantly, yes, like that's exactly what I wanted to hear. So from there, you know, obviously it was another year of interning, but it, it set me up to be here for, 
you know, the year that I was already there for plus another three years. So that was four years of time spent at Kentucky. And that was huge for me just because not only would I, I get the GA position, we all know it's kind of internship GA, get your, maybe your first full-time position, but it was just more time here. And I loved it here. I loved the city of Lexington. I loved the staff, the sports. So it was, it was a pretty much a done deal when he mentioned it for me. So, and I just, I just took that and ran with it. Whatever you guys gave to me, I wanted to take on and learn from it. And that's kind of where we, we were at maybe two years ago. Yep. I'd say. Yep. Yeah. I, I think it's important to note that you, so our typical program. So if I think back to Guyman was probably the last one that went this route because both you and Gibby are, if you weren't hired on full-time, you would still would have graduated uh, this late April, early May, and that you would have spent four years here. So two yeah. years as a coaching assistant, summer intern, coaching assistant, and then the last two years in that GA role. And I just did our last podcast episode was all about the development of our young strength coaches. And I do think the way that we do it, the way that it has been set up for you and Gibby and everybody else beforehand, where we take our time and we're extremely intentional with how we develop our young strength coaches. So by the time you're three or maybe four years is up here, you are no doubt in our mind, no doubt in anybody's mind, ready to take on the responsibilities of a full-time assistant strength conditioning coach. And that's why you were such a simple hire for us. Not only have you been here, but um, you have proven us, proven to us over the past three and a half years that you have developed, you are bought into the way that we do things, that you're innovative, you bring skills to our staff that um, that none of us have, and you kind of alluded to it. Um, but that's why you were such an easy hire. But coming back to those skills, and I think this is a lot of the times people forget about these these tangible things that can help set you apart. So I think a big reason why we wanted to keep you on originally as a uh, coaching assistant, and then what made it even easier to ask you to be one of our graduate assistants after that is because you brought to the table graphic design skills, that which helped us out with social media. You were able to take a thought and a concept that uh, myself, D, and the other coaches had talked about for years, which is this podcast, and be able to push it forward and make it a real thing. Because I have no idea how to do. I have no idea how to do graphic design. I have no idea how to even go about setting up a podcast. But I was able to throw that idea out to you, and you're like, "All right, yeah, give me a few days." And you came back, and you're like, "All right, this is the graphic we can use for uh, the podcast." We have to do X, Y, and Z. We need this much money um, here, Sproak. I looked up these microphones and set up for the podcast. We can use Adobe Audition. This is how you edit it, and you, you made it a thing. So providing value outside of the four walls of the weight room, um, once again, just made it such an easy decision for me and Coach D just to be like, all right, Strobus is in this role. Now we can move him here. Now we can move him here. And obviously, eventually that leads to today, which is your first day as a full-time strength coach. So just wanted to make sure we brought that up. So you're still in grad school. Yep. Um, you got, I don't know, looking at two more month and a half, two months, yeah, something two, like that yeah. left. Um, you are the third person on our staff to go through the program that you're in. And I always want to call it the sports psychology program, but that's not what it's called. What is the official name of your it, master's program? It is the sport and exercise psychology program. Sport and exercise psychology program. So talk through what you've learned 
in those classes, what you have taken away. Um, well, yeah, really what your biggest take it, take away is from all that material that you've gone through with your master's degree thus far. Yeah. So I think with the, with the sport and exercise psychology program, a lot of people hear that phrase or that term and, and they instantly go to, you know, mental health or, or things like that. And because that's a, that's a big topic in, in the sports world right now. But I think on the flip side of that, you know, sports psychology is, isn't a new field. It's been around since the 1900s. It's been around since the 90s, 80s, even 70s and things like that. So with with this, you know, going into that field, you know, you always hear athletes say, oh, 90% of my game is mental. And I started to be like, okay, well, what does that actually mean? And so that's what got me kind of into this field, wanting to get my gears turning on what, what does it mean to be a mental athlete or have mental toughness or things like that, like we've talked about in staff meetings. And, and so with this program, it's been huge because it's allowed me to take classes in sports psychology under Dr. Mark Cormier, who we have not only on staff here, but he's part of the academic staff at, at UK, um, but also take classes in counseling psychology, in leadership, in you know sport management and things like that, that really kind of encompass a lot of like a coaching psychology kind of approach. And so from that, it's been a lot of how to interact or how to be aware of motivation for athletes, how to be aware or on the front side of those mental health things that potentially we see a lot of, we see a lot of them on the back side of things. And so I wanted to be on the front side of those things, be aware and kind of just have the mental health background at least a little bit so that I can, again, add to our staff, but again, add to the value of what it means to be an athlete at Kentucky or wherever I was on staff at. And so outside of that, the biggest thing has been you know, learning the the ins and outs of just the psychology aspect. And so, you know, what is organization? What is routines? What are, you know, things that you can do to set yourself up for success? Or how can you get yourself out of a rut? All of these things are just very broad terms kind of that we've talked about in the sports psychology realm, but it, the program is set up so that whether you're somebody like me who's in strength and conditioning or you're somebody that we had somebody that went into real estate that did our program, and it's all kind of under the, the moniker that performance is performance and how you get to that level of high performance through the psychology aspect, the program kind of equips you to do that, which is a big part of why I loved it. And I love going through it right now. So your previous role as a GA and you're somewhat in the same workload capacity right now. So we're talking about in the future. So once this semester's over, you have your master's degree, you, um, you know, you give yourself a little bit of time to rest and not worried about papers and exams and all that. How, what is your vision for making an impact on our department with everything that you just talked about with your, um, the knowledge that you have in psychology? How, how do you plan on making an impact on our department, whether that's the strength conditioning pro program or ADP division or UK athletics as a whole? Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things I do hope to accomplish after I graduate is to gain the CMPC certification. And that is kind of ASP, which is the Association of Applied Sports Psychology. I always tell people that's the equivalent of their CSCS. So it's it's called Certified Mental Performance Consultant. That's CMPC. And so I hope to be getting that. And so I'll have essentially a dual certification that I can operate in. And so regardless of if Let's, I let me ask to, this real quick before i forget so the cmpc what are the requirements needed to even sit for that exam yep so with that there is you need 400 log hours and i believe it's 
50 of those need to be supervised meeting hours. So that's where I meet with Dr. Cormier and just go over, you know, what am I doing? What are my practicum hours? Things like that. Um, but it's 400 hours total of logged like work in a sports psychology world, whether that's doing team sessions, one-on-one sessions, if that's doing documentation, it's all, again, it's direct work with sports psychology. So and there's that, that aspect. You're doing that right now. You get a little bit of credit or hours with things that you're doing with our sports teams, but now you're working with um, some athletes at Moorhead State. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yes. Um, and then on the other end of that, you actually have to take a pretty robust, you know, kind of curriculum of classes. Now they give you a little bit of wiggle room, but they need to make sure that I think it's nine core components have been met in terms of, and I couldn't list them off right now, but things like psychopathology, behavioral health, developmental psychology, you have to take a sports science class. You have to take, I think some sort of sport law or diversity type of course. So it's a, a pretty large broad curriculum that they need you to take and then put that on top of your 400 hours and then you've you've passed it and then you take a test so it's, it's very similar to the cscs in terms of you know take the classes get the degree or get the the education on the back end do the practicum hours and then you get your certification if you pass the test yeah but it seems like it's very much more specific the cmpc is more specific than the cscs like cscs right now you all you need is a bachelor's degree doesn't matter yep. what it, it could be in journalism, could be in marketing, could be in exercise science. But the CMPC mm -hmm. says, hey, no, you have to take these classes. You have to do this. This is what the curriculum needs to look like on top of all these hours. And then you get to take the test. Yeah. And so where a lot of people maybe miss out is that if you just go to college and get your psychology degree and then maybe after college decide you want to do sports psychology, well, you're going to have to go back and take some of those sports science, sport related classes that you never took. And so what's been good for me is that I did my undergrad in sports science at Washington State, and then I doubled up and did psychology here at UK. So just taking classes, I never had to backtrack and go back and take other classes, which made life a lot easier. So it's just really getting the, the experience now and the, the exposure to a sports psychology world to get that certification. Gotcha. Now, going back to what I asked you originally before I cut you off and asked you about all the requirements, how do you expect to make an impact on UK, our department, all of the above? Yeah, well, I think, you know, pushing mental health is a huge thing for me. You know, I've I've talked about mental health with my athletes, with my close ones, with our staff. I think it's an important thing that that we acknowledge and that we continue to work towards when it comes to just the world of athletics. I mean, I've said this since I was in college that we work with 17 to 23 year old kids and probably one of the most important parts of their life. And in terms of stress and pressure and taking on new things and becoming adults, this is one of the biggest parts of their life. And we need to be cognizant of a lot of things that are going on, especially personally or, you know, on their relationships or just things like that, that can affect their mental health. Because it's a lot of stress when you go from high school to college, no matter what student athlete or not would you agree oh yeah absolutely yeah and so just just having that kind of background and being again cognizant of the mental health aspects of what our student athletes go through because it's never like you either have mental toughness or you don't because there's always some things that just kind of get under your skin and dig at you a little bit so just having that background and so being able to i guess equip our staff with just a little bit of the the knowledge of what is mental health in sports kind of going towards right now? What are, what is 
the sports psychology department saying? What is the NSCA saying? What is the NCAA saying? Just having that kind of, I guess, avenue that I can help bring in information to the staff, but then also how to kind of, you know, and we're going to do this probably our next podcast episode is start to kind of have the conversations about what is mental toughness or what is that mindset and what does it look like for our athletes? Because, I mean, we've had coaches and strength coaches say it for ages and ages that you just need to be mentally tough. But I think starting to get to the level of what is that and what do we want our athletes to actually do instead of just demanding that they be tough is going to be a huge separator for hopefully our program and, and kind of other programs where we actually give our athletes the avenue and the route and the tools to be mentally tough athletes while also being physically dominant, which is our goal as strength conditioning as well. I'm excited about that talk that we'll have um, as a staff and obviously will be a podcast episode because that's been one of my pet peeves as of late when um, I, I just think a lot like the word culture gets thrown around a lot. I think the phrase mental toughness gets thrown around a lot without anybody ever really defining what they are referring to. And I think a lot of the times, whether it's a sport coach as a strength coach, we're not necessarily talking specifically, specifically about mental toughness. We're either talking about physical toughness and, and or just toughness in general. So I'm excited for us to sit down as a staff to talk through our thoughts on how do you define mental toughness? Is it a, something that stands alone or is it all encompassing with physical toughness and toughness in general? But that will be a good conversation that we have um, right after spring break. So excited about that. Um, so next bullet point I had, and you're in a similar position that I was in, uh, when I first got hired on full-time at Kentucky. So back in 2009, the assistant strength coach, um, at the time was Scott Willis. He's now at the university of Utah and is still there. And, um, he left Kentucky to go to Utah. I, right away, I started taking over his team. So I had both soccers, the track team, still had the tennis teams as well. And um, I was still in grad school, but eventually got hired into the full-time position. But it, it's not like it was a new role. I was just continuing what I was doing as a as a graduate assistant. The only thing that changed was my title and my pay. But my question to you is like, what excites you about just – being at Kentucky, now you know permanently for an extended period of time because you are a full-time member of our staff now. The student athletes aren't going to change. You're going to be working with the same coaches, but what excites you about moving forward into March 2nd and the next semester and the next years that you'll be here at Kentucky? Yeah, well, I think, and I can think back to, I think we did a podcast maybe two years ago at this, right, where where I where we came on and we had different interns. We had the GA, an outgoing intern and beyond there. And I said that there was going to be a very, very fine and very obvious, you know, before and after of my time here at Kentucky, both, you know, my career, my personal life, my, my part, like who I am as a person and things like that. And so I think now knowing that I'm going to stay here and I don't necessarily think that ends my after Kentucky, so to speak. I don't think it pushes it out. I don't think it, it changes that. I think, now I get to still go through all of that process, the growth that I've had here, and, and whether it's been the four years that I've been here or even just the last 
you know, six months working with track and field or the year that I've had in terms of taking on new responsibilities, which has been awesome. It's, it's allowed me to grow a ton. And I think what excites me is that I can continue to keep going through that growth and have the opportunity to, you know, succeed and fail and go and try this or experiment with that and do a lot of different things that with, you know, I could do anywhere truly, but here at Kentucky, I, I've, I've got an, an awesome amount of people around me. I've met my fiance here. Um, I've got a great staff. And so really having the opportunity to go through that with a bunch of like-minded people, I think is going to help me grow exponentially more than, you know, if I was to go somewhere else. And so outside of that, you know, I feel like I, and I, I don't want to brag here, but I feel like with, with track and field and with, with tennis, I feel like I get a little bit of everything. And by that, I mean, you no, know, with tennis, I get the change of direction and I get fitness and I get individualized programs and I can do injury prevention or it's asymmetrical sports, it's overhead, it's, it's just worrying about the shoulder. And then with track, I get a lot of the other stuff that maybe I miss out on that. I get to do tons of Olympic lifting. I get to do strength and power. I have tons of different events that I work for. I get to do block periodization or I work with, you know, very experienced athletes or not very experienced athletes. And so with my position here, I get to continue to experiment and try a lot of different things with a lot of the different groups that I work with. And that's going to only going to help me get better as a strength coach. Even if I've been here for four years, I think I'm just going to continue to grow and grow and grow and really just get better and be better for this department, but be better for myself as well. Love it, Shrobus. I love it, man. So that's all the questions I had. You you want to talk about anything? You got any questions for me? Yeah, I think, you know, you, we mentioned the graphic design thing, but I think it's awesome to kind of think through that. That's probably something I've helped the staff out with as well is, you know, when, when you came to me and you're like, hey, I want to do a podcast. And this was, what, two weeks before COVID shut us all down. We had no idea what we were getting into. Yep. <laughs> you know, you came to me and said, hey, I want to do a podcast. And I said, okay, I'll figure it out. But now, you know, you've started to make your own videos and things like that mm -hmm. too. And I've kind of started to show you that. So, you know, looking back on your career, is that something you wish you would have had? Or what are some skills, you know, maybe you wish you could have brought to the table earlier on that you now have? So this is something um, where you and I are very similar, where I really like to sit down and create something and have a product at the end of the day that I'm proud of. So back in the day when I was a, let's say an intern, a CA or a GA at the time, Steph Simmons, we had our summer workout packets. And in those packets, it was like an explanation of everything that we did. It was written down. So if you wanted to know how to do one of our speed ladder movements, it was a picture of a speed ladder and then little footprints that showed you how to do the speed ladder movement, What what whatever that might have been. Maybe it was like typewriter and it kind of showed you that way. What I noticed was we were printing off a lot of paper to make those summer manuals. We it required the athletes to actually have the manual in front of them if they wanted to know how to do a certain movement. And I saw that not being very efficient. And at the time, there was this new thing on the internet called YouTube. And so Scott Willis and myself, we had a video camera. We were big into the sport of weightlifting. And we would film ourselves weightlifting. Like if he couldn't watch me do my snatch, which I sucked at at the time, I'd be like, oh, Willis, can you watch the snatch? And let me know what you think. Was I keeping the bar close? Was my overhead position unstable? Whatever. And eventually I had it in my mind as like, 
and why don't we just start filming the videos that are consistent amongst all of our strength coaches. I'll create this YouTube page. I'll upload the videos. And then we can, if the student athletes forget how to do a power clean or want to know how to do the speed ladder series, they can just go onto our YouTube page and type in the movement, search the movement, and then it will pop up. So it, similar to you, it's Steph didn't know how to do that. Wills didn't know how to do that, but I had the time and the energy as a young strength coach to put into figuring out how that worked. And I, I, I think that's one of my most, not, maybe not proudest moments, but something that I can hang my hat on because it's still a thing that we use today in our exercise menu that's on our, our section of UK athletics or our video links Excel page uh, that our, uh, our coaching assistants still use today um, or that we still use today as a staff in regards to making sure that our terminology is the same amongst all of our strength coaches. So that, that was something as I think back on it now, I, I had the time to do it. I had the resources to do it. It really didn't cost much because we already had the video camera and get setting up a YouTube page was not a big deal. Uh, didn't cost anything. But going back to like your example, like with the podcast, I had the idea and, but I just didn't have the time. I probably could have learned how to do it, but it would probably would have taken me hours and hours and hours. Um, but just delegating that to you, that was something that I knew would get your wheels turning and something that I knew you wouldn't dread, that you would enjoy actually figuring out the solution, bringing it to me and thus us creating this podcast together so i think it's always important to make sure we talk about this all the time and it's even one of our interview questions that we have for our summer internship is like hey what can you bring to our staff that will make us better as a whole and one thing that you have been able to bring and a lot of the times we get the answer of i'm a hard worker yeah everybody's a hard worker yeah that's that doesn't set you apart but if you can bring something like, hey, I'm really good at graphic design or, hey, I, I, I know how to do X, Y and Z. Um, that's going, I'll give Stefan as, as an example as well. So her um, undergrad degree is in journalism and she's an incredible writer, incredible at communicating with her words. That's something she obviously brought to our staff and uh, trickled down through all of us over the years. But being able to bring that skill is something that's going to set you apart. It's going to make the staff that you work with better, and it, it's going to allow you to have opportunities just like it provided for me and provided for you to be able to possibly stay somewhere or move into another position because you're you're able to bring the skill set with you. But going back to your original point, I, I, like I said, I think you and I are similar because before we hopped on this podcast, I was working on another video that I want to put out on my social media page on my Instagram account where it's, hey, it's something simple. I'm not doing anything earth shattering, but it's at least information that I can get out about how I do things as a strength coach or whether it's how uh, we do things as a strength staff that we can get out to the world and promote. But it's it's been great to have you and be like, all right, I want to do this video. I don't want to do a voiceover. How do I do that? Okay, we have this resource in Adobe Rush. Um, you were able to say, Hey, Spurlock, just do this, this, and this. And I'd be like, okay, um, I don't get it. Can you show me how to cut this video? Show me real quick. And, um, it, it's just great to have 
somebody like you on staff that I can learn quickly from without having to find the answer out on my own. Because even with technology today and all the information out there, it does take me time. If you're not around, I'm, I'm like, all right, how do I adjust the volume on this one video clip? All right, let me look it up on YouTube. And then it's never like a 90 second video to show you how to do it. No. It's always like an eight minute video. I'm like, I don't have eight minutes. I got 90 seconds. Show me in 90 seconds. And then sometimes it's not even what I was looking for. So um, just having you on staff or I can just throw out those quick questions. You can be like, yep. Or you can be like, hey, give me two seconds and I'll let you know then. And it, it's it's been great. But yeah, does that answer your question? I even forget what, yeah. you're, what yeah, you originally yeah, it, said. It does. Well, I think it's just interesting because, you know, a lot of, we talk about, you know, a lot of interns that come out. And again, I'm a hard worker. Like that's such a common answer. But mm -hmm. I think people don't think about their skills that they have outside of it. And you, even though, like, even now, like when I, when you interviewed me, for the, for the job that I have now for the full-time position, I didn't even mention the sports psychology part. I, I kind of just blanked at the moment, but again, it's, it's stuff that sets you apart and, and be, have an honest answer. Don't have a, a perfect answer or say what they think they want to hear. Just what sets you apart, what makes you different. So I think it's always interesting to kind of talk through, through that and acknowledge those things. So and sometimes it's, it's, I remember, um, having this conversation, I can't remember if it was just me and Rankin or, or whether it was with the whole staff, but sometimes you don't see it. And sometimes you got to ask other people like, Hey, what do you think I'm really good at? And when Rankin and I had the conversation or when we had it as a group, I'm like, you know what I've noticed Rankin in your time here is that you take the most detailed notes. And I'm always able to say like, oh man, I can't remember if we talked about that last week at our staff meeting. And she'd be like flipping through her notebook, do, 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 do. Actually, Spurlock, yep, you said this. And this was the decision that we came up with. I'm like, oh, awesome. Because Strobus, you know me, I forget things all the time. And I, if I don't have them written down or a reminder set in my phone or on our Teamworks calendar, I'm going to forget it. So before we even had Teamworks, so when Rankin was still on staff back in 2016, 17, 18, it, I relied heavily on her note-taking, which was a great skill that she brought to our staff. What else you got for me, Strobus? I like these questions. Yeah, no, well, I think, you know, another thing is, and I, I want to avoid trying to get too much into the sports psychology stuff because I'm really excited for that episode. But I think going back to to kind of, you know, your relationship with with the sports psychology department that we have here, you know, you work with Dr. Cormier. He's huge. He works with volleyball a ton, you know, what is it, you know, what's something for you that in the, in the realm of sports psychology, you think is something that's, that's different or that's, it's away from coaching, so to speak. You know, we talk about goal setting a lot and like, what's your goal? Oh, well, I want to clean 375, but then we've kind of started to help athletes work towards the actual way to do that. We don't just say, okay, outcome goal. We think process-based goal. So I think what's something for you that's really kind of changed in that, that realm of the sports psychology or something you think is interesting. I, I, I think that would have been my answer where oh. there will probably be things that pop up as, you know, you're on staff full time. You'll have your full education. I have no doubt that you'll take and pass that CMPC certification, but it, I think that goal setting example is perfect where in the past we would sit down with our student athletes and be like, let's set some goals. Okay. I want to squat this power clean, this run this 
um, passed my fitness test, blah, blah, blah. But we never got into the nuts and bolts of, all right, that's great. But how are you going to get there? All right. It's not, it's not just magically going to happen. It's something that um, you got to review your goals consistently. You have to write them down. You have to think about the process. And then eventually we start talking about process oriented goals. And I remember it was probably when Korea was going through the master's degree program with Dr. Cormier that that really started clicking with me, um, that that was much more important than the exact goal that you the exact outcome goal that you might have written down uh, previously. Um, but I have no doubt things like that will start popping up that maybe aren't specific to um, mental performance or sports psychology, but they're kind of in that gray area in regards to performance in general. Um, I think it, uh, whether it's the category of sleep, recovery, um, uh, you know, where your head is before and after a workout or a competition. Um, and those, I think any sort of tidbit that whether it's you or Cormier or anybody else that is going through the, um, that master's degree program that can provide to us as strength coaches or per our performance staff is only going to help us better in the long run. I think one of the great things, and I, you probably saw it today in our group meet that we have, like every time Sean Umbrell our director of impact leadership writes an article. He sends it to me, sends it to me in a text. And it's usually a three to five minute read. So first thing I do, doesn't matter what I'm doing. I stop what I'm doing and I just read that article. And I'm like, this is great. Love it. I'm going to write down my top three takeaways. I'm going to send it to the staff and then I'm going to try to put this information in the play right away. And um, I can't remember when we talked about it as a staff, but even having Sean as a resource, now is so much different than what our performance staff looked like here uh, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, um, where it was as a strength coach, we were expected to be the strength coach, the leadership coordinator, the essentially the dietitian as well, where we were doing food logs, um, the disciplinarian and anything in between. And now that we have a leadership director. We have a sports psychology department. We have obviously a great nutrition department. It's just being able to share those ideas, bounce them off each other, see what sticks, how something that even Monica or Taylor, any of the dietitian, what they say can have an effect on, you know, what we do in the strength and conditioning realm. It, 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 it's just such a cohesive group right now where we're all trying to make each other better. And we definitely didn't have that years ago. Yeah, we, we, even then, like, you know, I, I joke sometimes where strength conditioning coaches are sometimes directors of the ODA department, ODA stands for other duties as assigned. And, you know, here at Kentucky, we have resources like that, which is awesome. We have a psychologist, we have a nutritionist, we have athletic trainers, we have a chiropractor, we have a specialist for this, that, or the other. Sometimes when I talk to recruits, I say, you know, you've seen the iPhone commercial, there's an app for that. Well, here at Kentucky, there's a staff for that. And on the flip side of that, I like you know, that. Other, I'm going to use that. Schools, <laughs> there's a staff for that. <laughs> there's, there's sometimes there isn't like that. And so the strength coach does become kind of that, that catch all with when it comes to, you know, when you're on the road or you're doing this or you're the nutritionist or things like that. And so, again, this, that's why for me, with the sports psychology part, I just wanted to have a little bit of a bigger toolbox behind what I do. And if I never 
do any sports psychology and I just strength conditioning coach, I still think it's going to make me a better strength conditioning coach because I've learned how to look at the motivation of an athlete or find different ways to help them get to a better outcome or performance habits as well. So I think it's a big part of how I coach and I think it's going to continue to grow even just what I do in the weight room as a whole. Sometimes I go back and forth with um, like the formal education of a strength coach. Because I do feel like you have to have a baseline in the scientific principles to be a good strength coach. But then there are things that you just don't take if you if whether it's a strength and conditioning major, exercise science, exercise physiology, whatever it might be. Now, once again, I'm going to go back to Steph. She was a great strength coach because of her background in journalism and her ability to communicate with people and to lay out a vision and communicate that effectively. If she wouldn't have got her undergrad in that, she would not have been the strength coach that she was. So I think I just want to say that I agree with your point 100% where you know, you got, you have your education. What was your uh, degree in at Washington State Exercise Science? Science. Sports Science. So you have that. And now for your master's degree, you got this uh, exercise and sports psychology, which is like you said, another tool in your toolbox where I think, and like I said, I go back and forth with this, which I do because I know the NSCA is moving towards in order to be eligible to sit for the CSCS exam, you have to have your degree in something that is either a strength conditioning major or something very close to it, which I agree with, but I do feel like we're going to be missing out on all those other skills that somebody could get by possibly having another major for their undergrad and Steph being a great example. Um, I even think if you had a marketing degree and you're able to sell yourself or sell your program while also having the, like I said, the basic scientific principles down, that that could be a great asset to uh, a strength coach or a strength staff. So I do, I think my my final point is, is if they, when strength and conditioning majors do start becoming more um, available, that major needs to be all-encompassing, where it's not only are you getting the science behind exercise, but you also need to learn how to communicate. You also need to learn how to lead yourself and lead others. You also need to learn um, everything else that goes into being a strength coach, which is why I think our development of our, our young strength coaches is necessary right now. Because when we get a strength coach coming into our program, we teach them those things, right? This is how we use our template. This, this is the terminology. This is how you lead yourself. This is how you lead others. Um, and we hit on those different, different components that nobody is getting right now while they are getting an undergrad or master's degree. And on top of all that, you're getting experience coaching on the floor, getting to coach athletes, whether it's teaching them how to do the Olympic lifts, leading a warm up, leading other drills, um, learning how to do rack assignments or to make uh, number sheets and all that stuff. But I, I, I think when strength and conditioning majors become more available, they need to be so comprehensive and actually teach young strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches how to be great strength coaches. I agree. Yeah, you do. I'm your boss. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm your yeah. boss, so you better agree yes. with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got anything else, Drobus? No, I think that that was really good. I think, you know, the, the last thing I want to note is that, you know, you mentioned everything being all-encompassing. There is to an extent, though, where, you know, and Cormier and I talk about this a lot, is the power of the takeaway or the power of the wrap-up. And so you can take classes in Excel and you can take classes in business or how to lead yourself or things like that. But it's a lot of it is on either you or whoever's leading to kind of really make the connections. And that's where you become great at things, or that's where you get really impact. Like you make big impacts with the power of the takeaway rather than whatever the, what happened was. And so whether it's, you know, you fail the test and it's like, okay, I failed the test. Well, no, I failed the test because I didn't budget my time well to study or to prepare to do X, Mm -hmm. Y, Z. So it's, it's a big difference there. So the last thing I'll say is that anything that happens, you are always defined by what you do next. And I think that's a big part of life. I think that's a big part of sports. And that's, that's the one thing I preach to anybody I work with on a sports psychology or strength conditioning standpoint as well. Yeah, I really like that, Strobis. The power of the wrap-up, the power of the takeaway. And I think that's what our young student-athletes struggle with, is that they don't connect the dots. And that's not not a knock against them. That's not a knock against the generation that we're in because I know I was exactly the same way. And I was exactly the same way probably until I was, I don't know, 28 years old where I didn't realize like, okay, because I did this, that led to this. And I could have avoided that if I would have taken ownership of the situation or ownership of the mistake that was made and made the adjustment in the future. And that's a big reason why you've heard me say it a thousand times in our CAs have heard me say it over and over again as well during their time here that if a mistake is made or something happens, you got to take ownership of it. You got to figure out what happened. You have to communicate how you're going to change your action in the future and do your best not to let it happen again. And as long as you do that, everything's okay. But I think that's what our young people struggle with is grasping that concept, which I think is why it's important for People like us, Dr. Cormier, sport coaches, athletic trainers to help them connect the dots, especially early on when they get here. And then hopefully by the time they're an upperclassman, a junior and a senior, they're doing that on their own or even even better. They're helping the freshmen and the sophomores connect the dots um, and helping them do that, connect the dots and the power of the, the takeaway. But I really like that, Strobus. Good way to yeah. end this podcast. For sure. Um, As always, thank you to everybody who's listening. Uh, If you've got any feedback for us, email address is ukstrength at uky.edu. Thanks, and go Cats. Go Cats!